I realize in hindsight, after going back and listening to the conversation that you had with your dear brother, Ben, that the episode should have been titled Groomed While Pooping. (laughs) Thanks, Pete. It is first a direct quote from the episode, right? (laughs) Second, you have conditioned me to a new phrase just in our lives together in our conversations over the last several days um, where you you see something that may be otherwise triggering for a new conversation or gearing up for a fight, etc. Something you see on Facebook, whatever. And you stop and you say, okay, that was the point. That line was the line at which I I read all I needed to read or I heard everything I needed to hear. It was all in that line. And I'm telling you that groomed while pooping <laughs> is all I needed to hear. I learned everything. <laughs> Everything I needed to learn. Why is it that both about you and your relationship with your brother and your family? Why with that line? Do both of you insist on beginning episodes with poop? I do not understand. Do you hate me? Well, the bigger question is why don't you, as a psychologist, <laughs> it feels like you maybe could get to the nut of your client's issues if you started with the pooping. Now, I uh, what did you think of that conversation? Our first episode of the podcast. How did you uh, how'd you feel? You did great. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Um, well, I want to acknowledge something really interesting about it is that we recorded that some time ago, really as a as a pilot. I mean, I don't know that we were even sure that we'd release it at all. Um, and certainly after it got as personal and vulnerable as it did, I had some moments of wondering, do I really want to put this out there? Um, but we kind of went with it because it seemed to be going beautifully. And, you know, when I listened to it again, I I had the exact same response. Now, a few months later, with an update I'll add in a minute, I found myself listening to it and just being like, wow, that is really vulnerable. And it is such a great example of working with change and the change itself happening while listening. Like, Ben and I did not plan that. That was that was not expected to go directly into huge change that was going on in my life at that time, and in some ways mm-hmm. still is. Um, but he was kind of giving us an example of how does he work with this material, using this lens, you know, leaning into sort of this this ultimate paradox of change, and um, and what I found was at the time a huge amount of feeling came up and moved and moved through me and i could really feel a shift even by the end of that day by the end of that hour but certainly by the end of the day and through that week and then all summer long that's really stuck with me um and i thought i'd share a little bit of an update about kind of what's happened since as a result because it's just kind of ridiculously textbook it's just what you'd hope would happen in the episode, Ben was was talking with me about a huge change going on in, at that time in the summer, which was a really painful and sad loss of the Lotus Center as we knew it, a place I've worked for 15 years with people who are really dear to me, and, and we've done just amazing work with a lot, a lot of people. And it was coming to a close, and we were just looking at the ways in which I was trying so hard to recreate something big and wonderful, something so great that I would never really have to feel the loss of that place and never never have to encounter the disappointment of that ending. Um, 
And as a result of the work with Ben and getting to hook up with some of the history behind that for me, something really shifted. And it was like I was able to kind of be with that grief in a different way. And I watched it unfold in really interesting ways following that, where I was able to go and consider an office situation that felt like a step down. It would have been, it, it, it amounted to at least a temporary disappointment. And because I could encounter that differently, I could listen differently for what was possible in that space. And what's emerging actually is that it's perfect for what we want next. It's going to be beautiful in lots of lovely ways, very different from our old setting, but new people coming in to join the team in what I think will be a really gorgeous space that works for new needs in this new time. Um, but all of that change really came from that conversation with my brother. And um, I don't know that I would have been able to even consider the place we'll end up now had we not had that. It's really neat. I, I was thinking about this as I was listening to the episode again, and and I was struck by something that is, it's plagued me when I think about therapists or people who are just in that sort of healing space. And the the lengths to which both of you went to allow yourselves to be authentic in that conversation uh, really highlighted the constraint of the therapist relationship for me, which is like, how do you handle the experience of being, for lack of a better word, perfection to the people who are modeling their behavior in their relationship with you, right? That struggle between being a therapist and that model and being authentic and being being able to experience the freedom that is um, that is being human uh, at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I think my brother referred to, you know, the, the impulse a lot of therapists feel to be to be so contained so as not to let their stuff, you know, bleed into the client's session in a way the client has to take care of or gets distracted by or any of those things, or to be so blank a slate that you that everything coming from the client has got to be projection because they really don't know you. We both uh, instead endeavor to be really authentic in the relational style. Like we really want to join them in a full relationship as real people, including modeling for them that the full range of their feelings is, is all okay. And that what I'm really most interested in is helping people come fully alive to, to all of themselves, including the parts they think of as shadowy and shameful and, you know, unacceptable because in getting fully aware of those and letting those fully into relationship, we we then have a lot more chances to change them if we want to, or at least let them pass. So I, I try to model that without letting my stuff get in people's way. I mean, there's a boundary to it, of course. Um, and I'm not normally, I wouldn't be as open <laughs> with, a, with a client directly as I was with my brother and wasn't really planning to be that open on the show, honestly, as authentic as I want to be. Um, but again, it was like, well, this is this is where this needs to go. And I think it's worth publishing because even if it is vulnerable, it's a beautiful example of what's possible. 
you just said something that it's a, in, in terms of the things that stuck with me. <laughs> I have a list. Yeah. Please allow me to continue the litany of things that stuck with me. Yeah. Um, you, you just said sort of in passing, you know, which feelings are worth exploring and which are worth letting go. And, and um, since that conversation, I have hence butchered a metaphor that you've used so successfully in my own uh, speaking on the subject, which is, you know, how do you how do you tr- how do you stop a runaway train? Um, and y- you said, you know, you board it, right? You ride up right next to the thing that you're sure is going to kill you and you get on board and you stop it from the inside. And I, I think that is really, really hard. And and it comes off so easily to hear you and Ben talk about it, that experience of letting go, of knowing when to let go of feelings that are harmful, for me, is an impossible task, right? It feels like a mountain that I can't climb because I am so prone to that negativity bias, right? That it, I am so prone to ignoring the 30 times multiplier of positive experiences in my life to focus on the one negative review yeah. and to be, to allow myself to be plagued by it. And so to hear you guys talk about that experience uh and to do it with such savvy and civility and expert it's almost hard to listen to um because achieving that level of authenticity and vulnerability is it it feels like it's behind a door that that i haven't even mustered the courage to knock on oh i really hear you and i I just want to say a few things to that first of all there's a somewhere in there a really lovely compliment and i thank you for that uh, and I appreciate your vulnerability, too, just in saying it. Um, having known you for really more than 25 years now, I've seen you do that many times and do it beautifully. Um, but it is hard. And I know what you mean. Um, I can say that I've had a lot of practice and I felt really safe with, with a safest one of the safest people in my whole life, my brother. So it was easier for me to go through that at that moment in that recording um, than it might have been by myself or um, alone and certainly if somebody were confronting me. Uh, Sometimes that's really hard for me. And as recently as yesterday, I had a whole lot of feeling that I found really tough to encounter. Um, Part of a a training group um, and ran into some stuff and man, did I feel myself shutting down. It was very hard to just stay present for the feelings so that I could have them rather than them than they having me. Does that make sense? Um, and what I mean by that is like to stay in the emotional place and get curious about all the thoughts that arise from it. So you could hear me talking about sadness as my brother gently guided me into, what are you telling yourself about that? And then I could go, well, the narrative is, I'm gonna, it, it's going to suck after this. This was the, the best it will ever be. And then he kind of helped me feel into that, staying in my body, staying aware of the, the grief that was so present and the fear that was so present. And the pressure I was putting on myself. And then he kind of coaxed me into, what are you, what are you thinking there? And I realized, oh, I'm aware I'm going to be a disappointment, like that I should be doing better than this. So he helped me recognize the pressure there. 
and then I kind of stayed with what's what's going on next and I kept I kept getting back out of the bullring as he said rather than down in there in all those crazy bucking thoughts rather than believe them all he kind of helped me stay up in the stands a little bit and watch them following the my favorite bumper stickers advice ever it says don't believe everything you think yeah right <laughs> don't yeah, believe right. everything you think I, it's, I mean it's just it's there it is right there like i mean we should all just have that plastered on the, the bathroom mirror so that we are reminded daily seriously watch your thoughts because we make shit up and it hurts yeah we make it up it, about what other people intended or what's coming next all of it uh, yeah, th- there is a there's an experience of of like developing a, a practice or a muscle of living in 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 fact and truth, right? And saying that as a mantra, that experience of of taking a step back and saying, I, I know what I'm feeling right now because it's so real and present and raw. But what do I know? Like, what are the things that are are observable, verifiable, not the vapor that's in my head? And being able to turn that muscle on and tune it is is hard. I'm, I'm reminded of a there's a an educator's um, oh gosh, his name escapes me, and that's ridiculous uh, in its own right. But he says truth is an assembled thing, right? You you have yeah. to read broadly and and know that what your brain is doing is sifting out the the stuff that is uh, you know ill sourced and you know might be not quite based on on rigor and i kind of feel the same way with just human experience right it's an assembled thing and at some point the the weight of that assembly becomes too much right and that's when i start making up the stories and lying to myself and i have to stop and say oh wait a minute yeah wait a minute i need to ride up alongside the train now yep uh somebody's gonna have to take action and i i look around and realize i'm the only one here yep there's another place where we're really vulnerable to it and it's it's when we just don't have enough information and the less information we have the more we project the more we just fill in based on old stuff you know we through transference and projection and other defenses we we fill in blanks we auto populate right um which is why we're much more likely to get into a death spiral argument over facebook than we are in person with the exact same person right and why is that well because we're filling in all these assumptions that might not be true at all in their facial expressions because we can't see their faces all we see is black and white text so we assume the worst and it's why we tend to get far more scared and and jealous and hurt with greater distance, right? Like mm-hmm. when we can talk through with a friend or a partner what's going on, we do better. If it's over the phone, we have a harder time. If they're far away or we haven't seen them in a long time, we really like we start to haunt ourselves with all these things. And we're not even aware how much we're making up as we go. It just feels true. So it must be true. Whoa, man, gross. Right. Yeah, I don't care for how you put that. It feels true, so it must be true. But it's also, yeah, it's, it is kind of gross. And 100% applies to everybody. <laughs> All of everybody. Well, and it gets to one of those giant, like, those giant questions that come out of this conversation with you and Ben. Because you're talking about exactly these concepts. And then I am, I'm drawn to how do you confront 
the boundaries that you yourself have put up to avoid feeling all of those feelings of embarrassment and loss and grief and disappointment. How do you walk up to that wall and stare at it straight up and think you have to come down now? Well, there's only one way, which is, I mean, I love the metaphor and I, uh, your question's fantastic because it, it gets at the very paradox of change. Exactly. The boundaries we erect to protect ourselves are protections from feelings we don't want to have. And then they become limitations to us moving forward. So it's a little like you know, the shark cage around you that's supposed to protect you in the dark waters becomes something you're locked in when you're back on on deck. Uh, and if you can't open that up and get out, you're in, in trouble. Why do we erect them? Well, to protect ourselves from pain, from hurting. And the only way through it is to be willing to feel it. Now, you can feel it with full resources, you can ask for help. You can have company in feeling that way. You can talk it through with somebody. You can be reassured. Um, but you're probably going to have to move toward the feeling that you don't want to have. That's what sucks. And you got to see me do it right then. Like right in that episode, you could hear me get getting stuck and my brother kind of brutally calling out, well, man, you been looking kind of frantic in your efforts to recreate this as fast as possible there are multiple buildings you're considering that <laughs> that even have smelled like mildew or been way too much risk or way too big or you know just they're really not right but i was trying to force them to work in this fantasy that i would be able to head off the disappointment and grief i'm sure i wrote this down wrong but letting what is painful become beautiful and and forcing what is beautiful becomes painful okay. that's a, that was the experience of you in those ridiculous buildings right breathe that again where they were so and they were so cool some of them were very cool and you were, <laughs> you were you're so gloriously um uh, a salesman when you're selling to yourself and man <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it like i wanted to buy three of them and then like the reality comes out it's like okay it's perfect and the sun rises right in the middle of the atrium and also uh there's a staff of people who will fan you with giant olive leaves and it's all great <laughs> oh but don't mind the black mold <laughs> it's just the costs that you're willing to accept become a little bit high. Well, and so it is. Like, it's a little like, okay, so if you're having an argument with your dear wife and you can't accept the pain of, I might be wrong here, the kind of costs you're willing to accept just to hold on to that one agenda being right can be terrible right if you've had those arguments where mm -hmm. you're like why did i say that that was so terrible well i mean i, I feel way less yeah. close to her now and all i've achieved is you know my stubborn insistence that i'm correct or something you know it's whatever the agenda is it's yeah. a little like that like we will fight tooth and nail not to have the feeling we don't want to have even when we're burning the whole place down in honor of it it's the whole feeling. Wait, wait, wait. Hear me out. I'm not done yet. Right. There are corners around which I have I have yet to creep. Yeah. 
But read read that that one beautiful synopsis of that. I really want to hear that again. That the something about um, beautiful and forcing it and letting what is painful become beautiful, and and forcing what is beautiful becomes painful. It's it's the intentionality behind walking, you know, through that wall of boundaries that we've set up. Yeah, letting it what hurts. is painful and become yet, beautiful. Forcing what is beautiful becomes painful. Yeah, I think that really nails it. And I just imagine that that is going to end up showing up in all kinds of places around change. So what is this afterthoughts thing? This is a chance for Pete and Dodge to get to kind of debrief afterward. But also, I'm hoping over time to be the place where we're sort of accumulating wisdom. What are we hearing over multiple episodes from multiple different parties and angles on different subjects? What can we be learning? And a piece we're getting from, from Ben is that a big part of change means moving toward the experience we don't want to have some of the time. And doing that skillfully is is a trick. Like I mm-hmm. quoted from Joseph Campbell, the cave you most fear to enter, therein lies your treasure. I guess what occurs to me as I say that out loud is that almost every change we are trying to create or we're trying to survive in life ends up being one that we hope is taking us toward peace, I think. It's toward something like joy, you know, a mix of, of happiness and peaceful. And yet, it is often, we make our, you know, we, it's, it's often as we're fighting like crazy not to have the difficult feeling that stands between us and peace that we make ourselves most crazy this uh, you know the 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 final kind of term that stuck out to me on my notes that that summarizes all of that is is this phrase acceptable sadness um and and that uh that's kind of haunting to me right because just saying it out loud the the connotation is that there is a level of grief that you are willing to adapt to in order to experience the complexities of life. And that is anathema to the way we have been sort of taught to live in, in so many ways, you know, Western sort of uh, Western European culture. Yeah. It, it's hard to adapt to that. Yeah. And, uh, and I've, I've found that really, really sticking with me. Yes. That is the, that goes back to the pooping poster. The best way out is always through. The only way out is through, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is totally not, that was not in the bathroom, I swear. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we got a crack team on this. We're going to figure that out. (laughs) That's too funny. Um, I, I wanted to see if I could put some words to a particular moment in the episode that I think is going to be that I want folks out there to be watching for. Because we're going to be talking about change from, you know, so many different angles, from so many different experts, from so many different, on so many different subjects. And here's the analogy that comes to mind, that all of these are doorways and hallways that lead to a particular room, let's say. Um, there are many different ways to get there. My brother is that's such a beautiful first example of that, but there'll be many. But it's somehow in the spaciousness, 
at the center of that room, let's say, that though it can be reached from many sides, it can't itself be fully defined. It, it's not the walls. It's not the doors. It's not the, the avenue to get there. There's something in the middle of that you can't totally get your head around and aren't meant to. And that the change process often has a kind of disorienting, almost non-reasoned space about it. Like, I noticed myself as it was happening, being somewhere right between that's it and where am I? It's this experience you can't really force. You can only invite it. You can set up the conditions for it. And a piece of that is is moving more vulnerably toward the feeling we don't want to have. And that opens up this strange nebulous space where change can take place. Why would anybody want to do that? Well, they wouldn't is the thing. Um, And it turns out there isn't much choice. Anybody who's had a really hard cry and felt immensely better afterward has been there. It's like you're finally letting in the damn feeling you've been holding off for who knows how long. For some people, it's been decades. I can't tell you how often that happens in my office that finally somebody will encounter tears that should have been cried when they were six or ten or three and couldn't be. And finally it lets go. And as we get better at it, we can encounter them the very same day. Maybe in that moment, as we're sad, we just we let ourselves grieve. But there is something that shifts right there. feels much better afterward. And the action we take from that place is better still. As my strange little example, you know, demonstrates, I, I found myself looking for new spaces with, a, with much more humility and, and availability to the possibility that this wouldn't be perfect and wouldn't be permanent, but still might be worth looking at. Experience becomes much more um, wholesome in its in your drive to be authentically inside of it. Yeah, I mean, when you finally get on board that train, the scary part is the jump from the horse saddle to the top of the boxcar. Yeah. That's the really scary part. Once you get up to the front of that locomotive, it's not so bad. I mean, you're in a runaway train, but you kind of have this sense of, ah, here I know where I am. I know what to do now. The... Uh, just a, a real uh, sort of honor to watch you and your brother uh, do that and, and enormously gratifying that it, it took him, you know, all of 20 minutes to, you know, make you cry. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of power in watching that happen. And, and would it, were it not for the fact that not 10 minutes later, he made himself cry, <laughs> I would have, it would have been <laughs> much more rewarding. That was fantastic. Well, and I'll point out it was only a few minutes after that that we logged back on and you've been quietly waiting on the Zoom call listening in the whole way and you've got <laughs> tears you're wiping from your own face. So we'll just keep this going around, Pete. Let's just, let's just say it was it was a learning experience for all of us and we're going to move on. Okay. Thank you very much. You guys are great. You cried first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks you're perfect uh yeah i'm uh, this has been a a, a great uh episode one i'm so excited that we're doing this especially because uh um i get a chance to 
to process in a way that you don't uh, <laughs> when you're actually having the conversations with these experts at Delightful <laughs> Guests. doing all of the work. Uh, that's... Uh, Oh, yeah, you're doing you're doing much more work than I am, and it feels great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Good call, man. That's awesome, dude. Good work. Well, I love you, brother. I love you too. Thank you for so much for encouraging us and me to keep going. And thanks for the vote of confidence that yes, in fact, this episode is worth putting out there into the world. Sure is. May it be a blessing to those who listen. May it ever. May it ever. I'll catch you next week. All right, bud.